You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Our venerable Mike Chappell is back in studio once again after a few weeks off. Sir, enjoy your enjoy your little NFL-sanctioned break there between uh, minicamp and training camp. You know, the offseason is that five-week break between mm-hmm. end of June and July, and you make of it what you can and get out of town for a few days, so ready to go. I'm Dave Griffiths, Joe Hopkins here on the board as well. And, Mike, I think we talked about it before the break really started, and the best possible thing happened for the Colts that could have happened during this break, so far at least, with a week to go. No news. Exactly. <laughs> no news is good news. No news is good news. Because, again, the only thing that happens in the offseason is you get an extension done or you get a suspension. So we, we've had none of that. I still think there's a chance of a an extension or two. But as far as, you know, knock on wood, every piece of wood you can find, no suspensions. And we've seen, I don't know, half a dozen across the league. Uh, they, they sort of have come out in a couple of the weeks. So, so far, so good. A couple things did surface over the past week or so of uh, just NFL news in general. And uh, one one bit that has been kind of floating over the past couple of years that will, I mean, impact the Colts as well as it will any other NFL team is that the NFL owners have proposed an 18-game season in the latest collective bargaining session. So teams would play 18 games, and this is a unique idea. Well, I'll say unique, and that's that's the best word I can I can give it. Every player would have a 16-game limit. You say unique, I say ridiculous, but go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I was trying to be nice. Uh, <laughs> that, that means Andrew Luck could only play 16 games. Adam Vinatieri, maybe they would make exceptions for they, quarterback they, kicker. They mentioned specialists would be, would, could be excluded. Okay. But they also floated the idea that maybe quarterbacks would be excluded. I would hope so. How, how do you go to 18 games, 16 games, and you're picking two games that Jacoby Brissett is going to play. Yeah. Non-division games. I mean, how would you do that? But then is your quarter, starting quarterback going to have a backup offensive line for a couple games? Well, there's no question. You, like, it, it just doesn't make sense. This almost seems as if the NFL is coming to the bargaining table high so that when, you know, compromises happen, they said, okay, we gave up this. Now you have to keep your franchise tag or the rookie pay scale or whatever they want to bargain for. Well, keep in mind, too, that this is all about money. And, and Dave and I were talking, this is going to happen because the league wants it to happen. The only question is, what will the format be? You know, the, so for so long, there wasn't a team in L.A. The, team, the league wanted a team in L.A., and look what happens. There's two. So it, it's going to happen. It, it's all about money. It's two extra. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be – there's going to be 20 games in the league. It's, it's what it's going to be. Is it going to be 18-2? and two? which will probably be you'll, you'll take away two preseason games and you'll complement the preseason with uh, a scrimmage or the joint workout like the Colts had with Cleveland this year. But the issue is then if there's 18 games, the players should get two more paychecks. Mm-hmm. And bye weeks. Well, and a bye week. But but if you, if you float this idea that the players only play 16 games, all of a sudden the league's getting revenue for 18 games. And they would argue players get revenue for 16 games because they're playing 16 games. And this is a topic that always comes up this time of year again is player salaries. And it comes up because of NBA free agency on this exact time of year. Crazy salaries. It it is. And and the NBA players get ridiculous salaries, so much more so than the NFL. All virtually guaranteed contracts, which is the opposite of the NFL. Not a lot of it is guaranteed. 
maybe 50% of your contract is guaranteed if you're lucky. If you're an elite player. Exactly. Um, and so so that is happening at the same time as the NFL owners proposing this move to to make more money for the league. So the players are understandably going to be grasping for a couple more of those dollar signs, and it would certainly be unjust if they didn't get any. And, and just to put it in perspective, two more games, so let's say the players get two more paychecks. If your rookie minimum is four ninety five, so your weekly paycheck is twenty nine thousand. So you're with two more paychecks, you're talking about sixty thousand dollars. Clayton Gathers base salary roughly three million. He's going to recoup about one seventy six per paycheck more. So Anthony Costanzo, he's making let's say six million dollar base. That's three hundred fifty thousand dollars more per paycheck times two. So what I've always wondered, and and it, it's you want to think what's best for the league and all this and, and players. It's all, you know, they, they, they give us this player safety and we're trying to make it games, you know, a, a, an unsafe game safer. So now you're pushing 18 games, which is counterproductive to what you're trying to say. But I've always wondered if the, 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 the mass player force, when you start waving 50, a hundred, $200,000 more per year at these players, so many of them, I I believe, have the short-term view. Well, that's pretty good, a couple hundred thousand dollars. Well, long-term, it, it probably isn't good from the safety standpoint. But I wonder how – and we're not talking – let's take the, the elite players at Khalil Max and Luck and Brady because they're going to get theirs regardless. This is you know what's best for the rank and file, the 70% of the, of the, of the players – I just, in in my gut, I always think that the players look for the here and now. They're not looking, oh, we need to get a better CBA for 10 years down the road. They want to know what, how is this affecting me? So I just think if, if the owners flush X number of more dollars or paychecks at the players, I just, I just believe the players will believe that's enough. Now, the flip side is, what do the owners give up to go to 18 games? Mm-hmm. This is give and take. So what's what's the big chip that the players will push? Do you think it will be guaranteed contracts? No, the, maybe uh, franchise tag. Yeah, but how, again, how many players does that impact? Mm. Five a year, yeah, every, not many, every yeah. year. When you got thousands of players and you got a dozen are franchised, guaranteed owners are not going to go for guaranteed contracts. I just I can't imagine that. I always wonder because there's a big. I was talking to somebody the other day about this and maybe with the players really pushing for marijuana to not be illegal in the league. I did see that. Maybe the league says, okay, we'll, 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 let's go to 18 games. Our, our give is 18 games or what we want is 18 games and what you want is marijuana to be off the list. Maybe that's enough for the players. I, I just, I can't see the owners again. The franchise tag it, it affects so few players. I just and I'm not sure how you. How many players does marijuana affect? Oh boy, that's that's my point. I I think if that's now is that something the the NFLPA wants to go to war over? That I mean, you want to hang? I, maybe they would. Maybe they will. Because I'm not sure what the other. Uh, you know, revenue is always a big thing, but if the players get another two paychecks, and obviously it's staggered on how much you make. Your base salary. They might cut the off-season program down a little bit cut, more, much even more further. Can, exactly. How much more, how much more can you I, cut? I'm just trying to find something. I don't, I don't know where else you go. You've already cut the off-season and even training camp. 
I mean, it's, you know, X number of days in pads, X number of days. You can only be on the field four straight days or whatever, and then a day off. And the off-season is, is really cut back. Well, I saw one of the things players are really trying to fight for is better health insurance post-career yeah, to something. make sure these guys are taken care of for the long term. And then another thing, you know, if you talk about wanting to impact the most amount of players, obviously the rookie pay scale would be the way to do it, just a higher rookie pay scale so that every player drafted coming into the league is automatically getting more than before. But they already addressed they, – they already thought that was such an issue on the other end to where these first-round picks were getting crazy money. Sam Bradford. Oh, uh, LaMarcus, uh, Jamarcus Russell. Yeah. Russell, yeah. And, and so I, I think the vast majority of players aren't opposed to the rookie wage scale. Now, whether you can have something to where when a player obviously, and we may see this with Darius Leonard in, in, a few, in two years, where you just, sort of, you just outplay your contract to where you can do something there, but I really think the rank and file likes the idea that Andrew Luck was limited to X number, you know, because what Luck got as opposed to who was the last guy in the old was it may have been Russell Bradford. I think Bradford was the last one. Okay, maybe Bradford, and he got crazy. It was like sixty or seventy million guaranteed. Yep, that's ridiculous. So whether or not that the rank and file will go to war over the rookie wage scale, which I'm sure they like where it is. Uh, so, but but again, it's all give and take. And if the owners are committed to 18 games, and what they've done is 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 put this out there, sort of a trial balloon to see what the reaction is. And I again, I I I'm, I just it, we we we've mentioned the combine, to where the league wants the combine in L.A. It's going to be in L.A. It, it just it is. We can argue how this is the perfect fit, and but and it a, doesn't matter if you make a perfect argument. It doesn't because in two or three years it's going to be. Formerly of Indianapolis, it's it's going to happen. So I, I see the eighteen game schedule is going to happen. Eighteen regular season, an extra bye week, two preseason games. Uh, so, so, but what will the owners give up to get the NFLPA to agree to that? We'll see. So there's there's one thing to to look forward to. Even more football, and, and, and they're having these discussions now, which is really good. It kind of shows you where you're at. What the the CBA expires after 2020? Is that yes? Right? So not after this season, but after next season. It's like most contracts; you need a deadline. You need a drop down, a drop dead deadline. So I guess I'd be very surprised if something gets done before next year at this time. A website called 247wallstreet.com sent out a list of sports franchises with uh, attendance that had dropped at least 10 percent. Over the last 10 seasons, switching gears here, uh, the attendance numbers came initially from ESPN. Um, the Colts were on this list with their home game attendance dropping 10.8% since the 2008 season. Now, over a 10-year stretch, Mike, that's a long period. That's in the middle of heyday. That's Peyton Manning at his peak. That's when the Colts are going to Super Bowls. And the past couple years for the Colts have been less than stellar, and so it's understandable that the attendance would drop a little bit. But I'm um, surprised at all to see the Colts on this list still nearly 11% drop in the last 10 years. The list, no, the 10%, 11%, yes. Uh, I, I guess what I'd really like to see, and I just haven't got taken the time, uh, Joe was mentioning off air about, you know, how, how does this compare to everybody and all this, and 
Eleven percent's a big drop. It just is. It, but it, it does take into it, it's sort of counterbalance. That includes, like you said, nine, eight, and nine. Nine was a Super Bowl year, and eight was also the first year of Lucas Oil Stadium. Right. So boom, so right you, off so the you bat. Hit, so you hit that as far as it's a novelty. And, and again, this is this is this is one of the premier stadiums in the league. If you look at any report, mm-hmm. I'm assuming this just reflects general fandom and, and, and attendance in sports. I'm sure it's down in most. I'm a little surprised to see Washington on here. Mm-hmm. That's sort of like the Clevelands and the Pittsburghs where they're always rabid, even though ownership's a bunch of knuckleheads. So I, I think part of that is just the general environment of people being more protective and selective with their, with their, with their money. Uh, at the same time, that, that 10 year stretch includes a couple of really lean years for the Colts. Uh, competitively, we'll see if that thing increases moving forward. But, if I'm in the Colts, I've noticed this, and I've had more than a few meetings figuring out how to counterbalance a loss of 10%. Something that is important to note, the last two home games for the Colts were their season highs against Dallas and New York, their top two games of the season. But for Dallas, you understand that because they travel right. everywhere, and uh, New York, not not too shabby themselves. But no surprise that Dallas is the number one team, number one um, in terms of attendance from last year, 66,600 plus. Um, on average, the Colts' home games were just under 60,000 in 2018. And I think, like, I think the stated capacity is like 63 for Lucas Oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me I think look it is. that up real quick. Right and the one thing that. you don't want to do is, is count on your opponents to drive your attendance. You, right. You want you want it to be a t- and again in, in so many years in the past it was they had the waiting list for season tickets which I'm guessing has gone away, but it's 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 a concern, it's a concern across the league, it's a it's a concern probably baseball football uh, you know hockey and, and all of that basketball so it, it's to it's to not panic and say boy well, what's going on here. But you still have to address the situation. Yeah, to give a little perspective here, in 2008, the average game attendance was uh, over 66,000, which was 105% the um, stadium capacity. Mm-hmm. So it was over capacity. So you're probably right. It's probably so around So the fire marshal turned his, turned his head when that came. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you look at that last, you know, the game against Dallas, it was right there when the Colts, you know, were in their heyday. Well, what was the op- Look at the opener. I, I I did glance. Was it fifty nine? Was Cincy last year? Uh, it doesn't break it down by. I game. I, I, I looked at the media guide. And it was like fifty nine thousand, which is yeah, that, that's your season opener. Yeah, you you, you should that, that should, you should be do better than that. You should be pushing the maximum on your opener. And Andrew Luck is back. All all of that. Yeah, yeah, and it's but again, what you don't want is boy, we got Dallas, we got Green Bay on the schedule. Those are gonna be instant sells mm-hmm. no you want your product to sell itself and then when dallas comes in it's hard to get tickets for anybody so but again the bottom line I, i'm sure the colts will notice this and i'm i would hope knowing how they're built in there they're they're taking measures to combat this well one thing i want to bring up is those last two those games dallas and new york those were the final two home games for the colts as they're making a playoff push so part of it is also fans going, we have a serious chance at the playoffs now. We're a serious team and kind of buying back in a little bit, which you kind of hope they'd be a little more loyal 
anyway. Come on, Colts fans, let's get out there and make some noise for Andrew Luck. I've never, I've never, I hate, I've learned to never use the word never. I seldom have criticized the fan base for not showing up or for booing when you do show up because I don't pay to get in. So I I think when you pay to get in or when, when it's your money, I think you have a lot of leeway on what you want to do with it, whether it's a go to a game. Now, booing, booing and, and all, that, that's, we could argue that, but I've never argued that a, that, that a fan needs to show up because, boy, that's your team. No, it's, it's, it's their money, so I, I really have a trouble criticizing fans for that. As someone who grew up in the great city of Philadelphia, I will never have a problem with a fan booing a player because, like you said, it is their money. It is their team. Don't cross the line. Don't, don't, don't. Th- th- there's a line you shouldn't cross when you get personal, I, th- I think. I agree. But but if you want to boo the guy, boo him. Stand up and boo him. Yeah. And if the other people around you don't like it, tough. Man, you let them hear it. If, if they're not performing up to what they are, should ex- be expected to perform, right. you, like you said, I, I don't agree with getting getting personal. I do have no problem at all with booing. And that's something that some – some fans are, oh, you can't boo your own team. Yes, you can boo your own team. You're supposed to boo your own team when they're not performing well. Right. You, you let them know. You let the coaches know. You let the executives know. That's not acceptable for you. And we've talked before. The worst thing there is is apathy. Mm-hmm. When the fans don't care, you're screwed. So so love them or hate them, that, that's, you know, if, obviously the Colts want you to be 100% behind them. But when you don't care, and they ran into this a few years ago where they were close to people just not caring. And that's a that's a tough hurdle to get over, and it's tough to win back a fan base when, for whatever reason, the, the team's not been competitive and or whatever. You don't like the coach or the GM or whatever. When you lose your connection with your fan base, it takes you years to get it back. Well, Mike, one thing, like you said, this is not just a Colts problem. It, it's, it is a decline across all sports. NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB all saw a decline in total attendance from 2008 until now. So every front office in every sport is are having these meetings about what can we do. And some of them, like, you, you want to make it more of a fan, better experience at the game because so many people have better home theater or home television systems that are are really tremendous that have grown exponentially in the past 10 years. Um, so you, you have Simba Cam at the Colts games where people hold up their kids, which I love. It's great. It's fantastic, <laughs> especially as a guy who my wife is four or five weeks away from, from giving birth right now. So I'm oh, looking forward congrats. to that. I didn't Thank know you. that. Yeah. Congrats. Indeed. Yeah, we're, we're getting there. It's going to be like August 15th or so. So we get it away right before the season. Gives me a good <laughs> good break in the middle of training camp to, See, to really, gather my you thoughts. You really didn't plan it right. No, I did. No, we. No, I said we should try for May so I can get get out of all the Indy 500 coverage and having to stand out live at the track when it's 90 degrees and super humid. But didn't was not in the cards. Maybe on the next one. Maybe the next one. <laughs> we'll, we'll shoot for May. No, but but uh, as I was saying, I, I just wanted to to pose this question to you for for all the um, I guess fan experiences that that you are aware of from different sports or different teams. What's your favorite little in-game? Uh, shenanigans that that you're aware of. I love a couple of different things. I think the freeze race is fantastic with uh, with the guy in Atlanta. I I love the president's race with the with the Washington Nationals with all the the big headed presidents running around and hopefully getting taken out by one of the mascots. Those are fantastic. Anybody any thoughts? I on like this? the kiss cam. 
You like the kiss because, cam because I like the I, I like the time, the rare time when somebody's there with somebody he shouldn't be there with. Uh huh. Like, and, oh. and, and you sort of see they they duck. So that's I, I like the cringe factor of the kiss cam. I was a big <laughs> fan of kind of it was more during the NBA playoffs, but they would put the spotlight on somebody and they'd have to chug their beer. We saw like Aaron Rodgers yeah. not do as great as his offensive lineman. I thought that was a lot of a lot of fun and way to keep things. Kind of fresh and exciting. You, mm-hmm. you, you got to do those things if you want to want to keep things fresh and exciting and keep fans coming out to your games. Great product on the field, of course, though, is going to be the one thing. That's, that's <laughs> the whole thing. Again, this, this uh, and I'm not, I'm not trying. I'm just looking at this 10-year. What can we do to bring in fans? Win games. Win games. Yeah. You look at this 10-year window, and this would include four non-playoff seasons. Mm-hmm. So so it, it, it when you don't win – and when they weren't winning, they weren't interesting. No, it was a very boring, uh, un, un, in too many times, uncompetitive team win. It's not like you're not winning and you have a guy like Odell Beckham who's making headlines week right. to week. It's like you said, it's it's a not interesting team. There's nothing that you could talk about. Well, and again, only NFL teams with higher decreases in attendance: Tampa Bay, Cincinnati, and Washington. Perennial losers for the most part. Mm-hmm. So I, it, it's it's amazing. Shouldn't be amazing, but winning, winning cures so much. They when they they were going full guns with Peyton and Marvin and Edgerton and all those guys, you couldn't get a ticket. I remember when Peyton came here, in the first year or two, let's say they brought Miami would would come in. All you saw were were Marino, Clayton, and Duper jerseys, mm-hmm. and it really rubbed Peyton raw. And at at one point, then, then it went over the top, and then you saw. Colts jerseys and a very few visiting jerseys and that we're not there we're not back there at all but again as I said earlier you don't want to be driven by an opposing teams coming into your city you, you want this to be your place Green Bay Pittsburgh the, the real hard core teams and the Colts have done that before but at the, at the risk of really angering the fan base and I've done this before is I still think there's a bit of fair weather fandom here. Now, part of that goes with the economics because, again, it's exp- it's expensive mm-hmm. to have season tickets. It's expensive to go to take a family of four one day to a Colts game. It Absolutely. just is. It just is. You know, you, you start doing the parking and the concessions and never mind the ticket. But, w- again, the bottom line, winning cures all. And when this team gets back to where it's, 10 and 6, 11 and 5, maybe 12 and 4 and they're making playoff runs every year. I think we see that trend change. Another uh issue that came out this week issue. I say issue, it's an issue to some players. It's a little piece of news is the uh the Madden ratings. Mike, I know that uh you were on the uh on the pre-order list for your for your next uh Madden game. I've never held a Madden game oh, in my hand. Mike, I'm no. sorry, Joe. I'm sorry. You're an NFL fever kind of guy. Throwback <laughs> with Peyton Manning on the cover. Yeah, the old <laughs> NFL game day ones in That's the late nineties. Right. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the dinosaur of the group. I, I fully admit that. Joe, I remember my first my first Madden I think was ninety five for my Sega Genesis is the first year that I played Madden. Do you remember the first uh first Madden that you played? I was probably what was the one with Michael Vick on the cover? Yeah, I think it might be 01 or 02. Yeah, that was probably the first one. Mine was even before the players, so it still had John Madden on the cover. (laughs) Yeah, that's how old I am. My goodness. The real throwback. Exactly. You guys didn't do the electric one where they had the little players, you know. I have one of those. I got one of those. That's 
that's my Madden type. Yeah, I'm I'm into that. How you move them around? I so. got it when I was like five or six years old or something like that, and I of course was not very good at it. But it, it looked really cool on sure. my like in my room. It was like nice and colorful and had all these football players, little guys. It was awesome. But anyway, uh, brings us to Madden ratings. Uh, Eric Ebride in particular was was not too pleased about his own Madden rating. I think there are several Colts who have a legitimate gripe about where they are uh, where they are rated here. Ultimately, not the biggest deal because it does not reflect reality. <laughs> it reflects, though, a certain group of people's opinion. So, I mean, for someone like Adarius Leonard, who's an all-pro, who is rated an 84 out of 100 scale, I mean, if you wanted to give Darius Leonard more fuel... You certainly just did that because an 84 for an all-pro is, in my opinion, disrespectful. So That's Quentin, Quentin Nelson's an 87 and Darius Leonard's an 84. I think most offensive linemen aren't super highly rated in these games. So, Dar- I mean, um, Nelson's 87 might be one of the higher ones. But Leonard at 84 is, like, to me, that's the one that jumped out as the most ridiculous out of all of them. And you can make the case for Nelson, too. Baby Ebron... I don't know that he would compare it, but he says, I'm in 86, and Jack Doyle's in 86, and Jack played six games last year. Mm-hmm. And I had 13 receiving, 14 touchdowns. What am I missing type of thing? So, but it, it, what's really crazy, and I, I've seen a lot of players on a lot of players on social media questioning this, so they, they pay attention. This is part of their reputation now, and it's obvious players take great umbrage when they feel disrespected by Madden. Mm-hmm. We've put together our lists of, you know, top five Colts players, top 525 or whatever it might be. Andrew Luck is understandably the highest rated Colt. He's at 92. I think he's the fourth or fifth highest rated quarterback in the game, which is right around par, I would right. say. You have Mahomes up there and Brady is number two and Rodgers, I think, is three. Breeze is four. Breeze and, Breeze and, um, and Luck are tied. At ninety two, yeah, I think Rogers was like a ninety. Oh, really? Yeah, a lot of people were upset. Well, let me. Philip Rivers was ninety. That's right. That was that was the one. Yeah, yeah. Rivers. <laughs> that was the odd Mike's one. Mike's not so sure about that. <laughs> they must one. give you extra points for having X number more kids. Of kids. <laughs> <laughs> another kid for Rivers. Another point on his Madden ratings. Um, T. Y. Hilton right behind Luck. He's a ninety one. Um, I like to know how that ranks among receivers. I know it's up there. Um, I think it was somewhere between eleventh and thirteenth. Okay. Which again, we we've talked about that. I think Ty uh, Ty doesn't believe that. I'm not saying anybody's. I didn't see what he says about this, but right. I've always thought Ty nine, ten, eleven among receivers. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm comfortable with. Yeah, I really am. And if he, he takes umbrage of that, I then knock yourself out. But, then sorry. Right. Yeah, it looks like receivers ahead of Ty. Mike Evans, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Thielen, Tyree Kill, Michael Thomas, Odell, Julio. Brown, Hopkins, guys you would expect. Yep. It's kind of fair for T.Y. It's think. those guys that he's right around. It's Adams. It's uh, Evans. Um, like, those are the guys Landry, that... Landry, is he up there? Uh, let's he's a little see. bit lower. He's got to be. Yeah, he's... Thielen, right around T.Y. range. Down. But you're not going to put T.Y. in the same category as Hopkins and Julio yeah. Jones. Landry's at 84. The very, very top. And, and if he draws motivation from that... Good. Great. Fantastic. Good, good, good for you. But And again, to think that with the people we've mentioned, like with T.Y., that you know, that's a great list. This is a great era for receivers. So to be top ten, 
is is quite 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 a you know feather in your cap is wonderful for sure there's a guy here that stuck out to me near the top and that's justin houston who they gave an 87 to so the people in that is that reputation it might be like they still have some some respect for for justin houston to have him up at an 87 and i'm sure colts fans would love it if he uh is probably a top 10 edge rusher if if he plays 13 games and gives you 10 sacks lovely is isn't that what you paid for Mm mm-hmm Anything more than that? Again, that's they, they, they've. I wrote about this earlier in the week about he he's what's been missing mm-hmm. a, a defensive presence. Who who do we as an offense? Who do we need to take care of? And, and until you know, since Robert Mathis is nineteen sacks, they haven't had that guy. You know, my uh, what what tipped me off, Joe, that you put these ratings together is Adam Vinatieri is all the way down at seventy eight. Holy so, smoke! Goodness yeah. gracious, Joe! I wish I got paid to make Madden ratings, <laughs> but unfortunately, <laughs> I do not. Um, I thought the most disrespected on here though was Anthony Walker at sixty nine. He was a darn solid linebacker last year. Mm-hmm. That's and, a great point, and we've we've brought up and we've talked about him a lot over the summer and saying that. How many? He had a bunch of tackles for loss. He Ten was, tackles yeah, for loss. Right back up there with uh, Darius Leonard in terms of tackles for loss. And when you want to talk about players who exceeded expectations, yeah. If you exclude the rookies and all that, Anthony Walker might have been the top of the list. And who else on the Colts is a sixty-nine? Nate Hairston, who we have brought up multiple times of being having a disappointing at least end to the season last year. So yeah, and, and this is. We can get into it either later today or, or next week for four or five players who these are. This is a massive camp. Mm-hmm. Nate Harrison is near the top of the list. No doubt, absolutely no doubt. The uh, the very bottom. Luke of the Rhodes list. is yeah, a thir- Luke, Luke Rhodes is a thirty seven. Thirty seven. Yeah, no. Is, don't you get? Don't you get like when you do your SATs? Don't you get something for signing your name? <laughs> Isn't there a minimum? You get like a hundred points for signing your name. So is, don't you get thirty seven for being an NFL player? Just being in the game. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure what his other talent. I mean, his speed and tackling's got to be decent. You'd think 37. I don't know. Those long snappers are kind of tricky to grade. I presume. But he's a 37, and Philip Walker's a 56. Yeah, LaRaven Clark is a 56. I thought he was more serviceable Jake than, Eldrin, than that. Jake Eldrin Camp. Good. Good heavens. I guess it would depend on what position they would technically put Luke Rhodes under. He's the highest paid long snapper in the league. I don't think long snapper is like a position in Madden though. So it might not be. He shouldn't be on there. (laughs) (laughs) Mike's not having it. Good point, Mike. Good point. Of course, the uh, what what we're all looking forward to is where the Syracuse guys stack up on this list. And Steve (laughs) Ishmael, my guy, wide receiver, is all the way up at 64. 64. So he's almost twice Luke Rhodes. Yeah, he's only five back of... uh, of our boy Anthony Walker. That was ridiculous. Yeah. I, I love Steve Ishmael, but that's ridiculous. The rookie Bobby Okariki's at 66, and Anthony Walker's at 69. Come on. That's a good point. Ugh. Yeah, we have the rookie numbers here, too. Thanks, Joe, pointing that out. Paris Campbell is the uh, highest-rated Colts rookie with a 71. I think that's probably fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rock Yassin is 70. Ben Banigou down at 69. Marvell Tell and Bobby Okariki, 66. I think out of this list... Um, if there's one I expect to jump from next year, it's probably going to be Kari Willis um, jumping up from six. He's a 66 because I just think the Colts are going to use him a lot more. So he's going to see maybe him jump him to the 70s, low 70s, 73, 74 in that range next year. So that'll be a pretty solid jump if indeed he is able to do that. But out of all these players, I mean, 
Yeah, that's they're they're about what you expect, especially since the Colts don't have a first round pick or a high first round pick. About a seventy one for Paris Campbell is about as high as you can think that you're gonna get in your rookie class. So there you go. Meh. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, these ratings are fluid as the season goes along. Of course. So other players will jump up, some will come down. Um it's just kind of a fun thing to look at. This is and this is, you know, where you've mentioned that Eric Ebron was salty over this. This, this is yeah, I, I hope I, I hope sort of hope he's not listening. <laughs> but but this is why I, I'm very interested to see how he handles year two. Because t- to think he can duplicate what he did is not realistic because of all the people the, the better supporting cast. How will he handle it if he's just as involved in the offense, but you don't have 13 touchdowns? You know, because you've got Jack Doyle back, you've got Paris Campbell, and Ty is going to get his, and Hines and Mac. I just, I don't want to overblow this, and I don't. We can't overblow his being salty about the ratings, but I just want to see how two or three players handle year two in this system, and he's one of them. Yeah, Dave and I were kind of talking last week in the fantasy episode about how, you know, a lot of Ebron's production, not that he's not talented, but a lot of it last year was just based off of necessity. His biggest games came when both T.Y. and Doyle were hurt, so he's not going to have all those targets that he saw last year when there was no one else for luck to throw to. Well, and again, it's a good situation to have because they're expecting, again, I think Doyle again played six games. So he and Ebron were together for just six games, and really not all six games because of when Jack got hurt. And then you're throwing Paris Campbell in there, and they're going to expect more from Naheem Hines, and they're going to expect more from other, you know, Funches. Funches in the red zone. And yeah. Funches is going to be a better, it needs to be better than, than uh, Ryan Grant. <laughs> he he need, needs, to be, needs to be what Grant and uh, Dontrell Inman were together. Mm-hmm. If he does that, they're, they're fine. But it's just... And you talk fantasy, I'm not sure this is a great, outside of maybe Luck, and I guess Hilton, it's going to be hard to hook your wagon to a Colt in fantasy because who's going to be the guy? Yeah, we were talking Luck, T.Y., and Mac are really the three main guys to target in fantasy. Because they're they're going to get theirs. Exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. As long as they're healthy, they will get theirs. And we've said Luck... um, We'll, we'll, we'll give you the lowdown here, Mike, the quick version. We think Andrew Luck probably about a top five, somewhere behind uh, or behind a Patrick Mahomes and an Aaron Rodgers, right around there. And you can make the case for taking him all the way up at second, we think, um, anywhere from there to five. You're talking sheer numbers. Yes, just yes. based on numbers. T.Y., we, again, have right around number 10, kind of for a 10- or 12-team league, somewhere near a wide receiver one for maybe one of the last teams to draft a wide receiver. Because you have other guys up there like a Julio Jones or a um, or an Odell Beckham, like Ty's career high in touchdowns is only seven. People forget that. Yeah, and for for wide receivers, that's that's not elite elite numbers for for touchdowns. Ty is a great receiver, and we've talked about this before. He's a legitimate number one threat. But in terms of your best number ones, he's not the guy that's going to blow it open for 12 touchdowns a year. And you can get that from a Devontae Adams, perhaps. You can get that from a DeAndre Hopkins as well, because those guys are targeted so much more either in the red zone or down the field um, throughout the game, throughout consistently. Um, so, so they get those opportunities. And T.Y., as dangerous as he is, has not done that in the past. I haven't got the numbers in front of me, but Funchess was in Carolina for four years. 
with 21 or 22 touchdowns, I think it was. I'm pulling up right now. I know. And the point I'm making is his averages aren't that much different from T.Y.'s, touchdown-wise. You're correct. 21 touchdowns, uh, five as a rookie, four, eight, and really his best year, 2017. Mm -hmm. Um, That was the year Kevin Benjamin was out, so he was the top option in Carolina. And then four last year. So he's got 21 in four years. Yep. What's T.Y. have? And, and, eight, again, and eight? eight again in one year is more than T.Y. has ever had in one year. Like I said, his career high in one year is seven. So that one year alone, uh, Flinch has had just better touchdown-specific numbers than T.Y. did. So Yeah, T.Y.'s got 40 in, what, seven years, I think he's been? The Something league. like that. Maybe that's what it is. Okay. In seven. Because I, I, I was throwing yeah. a note out there that Ebron's got a chance to be one of the few Colts with back-to-back double-digit touchdown seasons. Mm-hmm. There's not been that many. Uh, Marvin, and there, there was like three guys, I think it was. And, and, Reggie and, might have done it. No, Reggie oh, didn't do it. No. Did Dallas Clark do it? No. Ever? No? Hmm. If I could pull my story up, if I was quick enough, I would do that. But it's it's just rare for this team to have those guys going double digits other than Mar- Marvin did it for like eight straight seasons, which was crazy. But that's the one, that's the one thing with T.Y.'s incredible big playability, he's not had that breakout touchdown season. Now, maybe that's part of that is because he's seldom been a red zone threat. Mm-hmm. And that's where you sort of get three or four a year to, to really help your stats. But I'd love to see T.Y.'s game add that one aspect to where you are 10, 11 touchdowns. I remember you pointing that out last year to Frank Reich or Nick Sirianni, whoever we were talking to, because T.Y. had like two touchdowns right. within five yards within the first four weeks of the season or something like and that. He, and he, that, that was never the case. Exactly. And that's, again, it's we're, we're just seeing different things with, with Reich and Sirianni that we haven't seen before. With, again, maximizing the tight ends, you know, more than a Dallas Clark type of thing, but spreading the ball around. That's why I'm saying I'd hate to be a guy in fantasy who really wants to feature the Colts, mm-hmm. and beyond the three that you mentioned, I don't know how you do it. And we'll touch Marlon Mack real quick. Again, a guy that I mean, Jim Irsay says he thinks he's a 1,500-yard back, and he had a really great second half to the season. He scored, what was it, 10 touchdowns again last year. So he gets up in double digits, and he still missed a couple games last year. Those are pretty good numbers. So he's the guy. He's your number one. I mean, Hines is going to get some touches. Paris Campbell's going to steal probably a couple would, of catches. He's going to steal some from Hines. Exactly, and More that's why we anybody. said, yeah, that's why we said we're we're scared of Hines. Like he he caught sixty three balls last year, which is pretty good for a running back. But but I just don't know going into the season what Paris Campbell's going to take from him, and we imagine it's going to be a little bit of a chunk from there. So Joe, what'd you find? Uh, I've I, I looked up what a uh, Chapel was saying, and he was right. Reggie had multiple. Ten touchdown seasons, but, but never in a row. Never Same together. with Dallas. I wasn't yep. really able to find too many other Colts with multiple ten touchdown receiving seasons. Well, you just have to have that Syracuse connection. Marvin Harrison <laughs> can, can do it. Just get Steve Ishmael in the lineup, guys. I'm telling you. That's right. It's going to happen. They need. He, he's a he's a 64 here in Madden for a reason. We can we can see that number go up, 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 up. Um, some more uh, news across the NFL from the past couple weeks is there are several players who are either holding out or threatening holding out for a new contract, uh, specifically L.A. Chargers running back Melvin Gordon. He is holding out. He says he won't play. We'll see about that. They always say they back, won't play. He's play. Yeah. At, at this point, running backs, you don't have the, the same um, the same gusto behind your threats 
as you did 10 years ago. Just isn't there. Yep. Lavian Bell, again, he'll never recoup $14 million. He just won't. And, and I have a friend, um, you, some people here might know him, is Steve Andrus. Uh, he used to be the Colts, uh, the Colts reporter, the Colts.com reporter. He now works uh, for, I think it's 4 for 4 Fantasy. Um, and he, he posted this that said that Melvin Gordon missed four games last year. The Chargers were 4-0 in those games that Melvin right. Gordon missed. So as as great as we think Melvin Gordon is as a running back, sure, he's incredibly talented. I'd love to have him on my team, but what what do the numbers say, man? They're, they're 4-0 without you. They can live without you. So they're they're not going to pay you, I don't think, the numbers that you're looking well, the for. the Steelers were every bit as good without Le'Veon Bell and with James Conner. Yeah, James Conner came right in now, and was now, fantastic. Was he a pro bowler. We'll, we'll see if his we, – we don't know. Mm-hmm. But I, I just always – by the way, I did look it up. Colts with back-to-back – Ten, 10 touchdowns or more seasons, there's two of them. That's it? Two. Besides Ebron and... Uh, Ebron's or, not done it now. Back to oh, back. excuse me, back excuse me. Back. So Marvin Harrison is one. So it's not Wayne. It's not I Clark. Cheated. <laughs> I I'm the only one who doesn't know it here. Hang on. Let me, let me think. You're, let you're me think. overthinking this. Oh, I probably am. It's not T.Y. Um, I'm sure I'm overthinking it. Uh, j- j- just just tell me, Dag. Raymond Barry. Okay, yeah, Raymond, that, that makes sense. So so again, it's he, he's trying to do something that just hasn't been done here. But just want to get that out there. Yeah. Um, after Melvin Gordon, who was drafted 15th overall in 2015, uh, Dallas running back Ezekiel Elliott's considering. He says holding out. He was drafted fourth overall in 2016. They got issues down there, don't they? The Cowboys with contracts. They yeah, they, even got, they will because they, they don't Cooper have Dak done. yet. They don't have Cooper done. They don't have Dak done. They don't have Zeke done. So that's going to be interesting yeah. to figure out. A lot of guys on that O line getting paid too. Yeah, how's that going to work, guys? And they just paid the, the pass rusher. Lawrence. Yeah, Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah, uh, Demarcus Lawrence. That's name. It's what, it's, and it's what you do. Yeah, you pay your pass uh, rusher. Unlike the the Raiders, when you got you the guy, the you rusher. paid the guy. Yeah, because you can't replace the guy. No, you just can't. No, but so those are two guys who are threatening at least to hold out, and Melvin saying he will. Uh, Melvin would be entering the last year of his contract, I believe, so 15, 16, 17, uh, 18, 19. So, yeah, this is the fifth year of his rookie contract. Uh, Zeke would have 16, 17, 18 this year and next year, I believe, in his rookie contract. So he really has two years to go, which I'm sure the team would pick up his option for next year. And he's saying, oh, I'm going to hold. I don't know if he will because he has very little leverage right now. He's he's like the player we talked about quite a bit ago about with the new CBA, maybe address on the rookie wage scale because you do have rookies come in. Yes, they get paid pretty pretty good, but they they outperform their kind. Con- Russell Wilson did that. Mm-hmm. Was he a third round pick, fourth round pick, third, third I believe? Yeah. yeah, and he certainly outplayed the contract. Absolutely. But w- w- in negotiations, when teams have the leverage, they seldom give it up. Mm-hmm. That's why we were a bit surprised when the Colts some of their extensions. They extended guys who are going to be restricted at the end of the season. Like Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore, I believe Luke Rhodes and Sanchez. Yep. You normally don't do that because basically you don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. So I just, to hold out, uh, tr- if you want to hold out training camp, fine. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you could argue whatever. But to hold out when you start missing games and get in paying game checks, I just, it's. It's money that you seldom recoup. And and I'll ask the question, I'll at least bring it up, since we were seeing it across the NFL, is do you think there would be any Colts who might hold out uh, over the next uh, coming years? And I have a list here. I don't know if this is an exhaustive list. I think it might be. I tried to make it exhaustive, but um, 
anyway, the 2020 season. So these are people who are going to become free agents next year. So this is the last year of their contract. We have Anthony Costanzo going into his last year. We anticipate that the Colts are working on an extension with him. Jabal Sheard, um, Jack Doyle, Eric Ebron, Jacoby Brissett, Loraven Clark, Evan Bame, Joe Haig, and there is Kenny Moore right there. Can get rid of Take Kenny Moore. Off. Yes, because he's he's all all locked up. But uh, I mean, d- these d- would be d- guys. D- who d- ha- Devin Fences. I mean, guys, they signed a one-year deal yeah. this year. But who on this list would you say? Now you could almost take. These would really be people who'd have to hold out now yeah, because right, it would be right, their last right. season, yeah. And, which they're not going to do. No, I mean, exactly. It, the, the only one that would have the leverage to do it is Costanzo. I was talking the other day with someone about, and we've talked, I think this roster, I'll beat this to death, to me this roster is as strong as it's been since 2009 when they went to the Super Bowl. There is no glaring, oh my God, we can't go areas. into the season like this. Right. And the only area in my mind where I it gives me pause is who's your backup backup left tackle. Mm-hmm. If you had to play with Brissett, you, you you could tread water. I get because we, we talked to Ballard and he he mentioned he was he could win you games. Now he wasn't all in on sixteen games, but most places, T Y. If I had to do my three most indispensable cults, it would be Luck. Costanzo and Hilton, and I could argue who's two and who's three on Costanzo and Hilton. But if Costanzo holds out, which he won't, or gets hurt, which you never know, who's your backup tackle? Or Raven Clark? Yeah, I think I mean, he would be. And, and, and that, if that doesn't give as solid as the offensive line is, they have done. That, that's why I keep thinking it makes sense to get a to get a an extension done. And they're certainly not listening to me because it's not done. <laughs> but they've taken no steps to replace him. And you don't wait until the 2000 draft to bring in your left tackle if you're not bringing Costanzo back. So everything that they've done points to the fact that he's their left tackle of the short-term like future. Three, three, future. three or four years. Yeah. Not long-term because we're talking three or four years. But I just, I just don't see Costanzo holding out. I think... If you're going to hold out, you sort of give them that indication by staying away from minicamp. You mm-hmm. sort of say, hey, this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. The rest of these guys, what, what's what's their – they won't because there's no leverage. Next summer, the players who would potentially hold out from next year's training camp, who would be going into the last year of their contract, I have just a small list here of T.Y. Hilton, Danico Autry, Ryan Kelly, Marlon Mack, Anthony Walker, Jr., None, none of them to, to hold out. You need you need leverage, right? And T Y serious leverage. T, and T Y has serious leverage. Now he'll be thirty. Does he turn thirty in September? I think he'll August? be thirty by the time. Because I was shocked. He, he and Andrew Luck are turning thirty. <laughs> crying out loud. <laughs> but it's you, the, the thing on holdouts is you got to have ch- chips. You you need the leverage. And Le'Veon Bell had it. Maybe Melvin Gordon has it. I I, I don't think so. I think Zeke kind of Zeke's only twenty three, right? And so he might have it more than Melvin. Oh, I think 26. he does. I, I think he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but then at the same time, he's a running back, and he, 
they have a value. They have such a strong value, but holdout value. It, with, with with Dallas, it comes down to their quarterback. Like that's that's one thing that they don't have as much as like the Chargers have Rivers, the Colts have Luck. Um, Dak Prescott is not in that category, even remotely close. He there are definitely two sides to the argument over uh, over Dak Prescott, and our Chris Hagen would certainly be on the fanboy side, having been a Mississippi State guy. Um, but I I I've yet to see anything that says that Dak Prescott can be your true carrier of a team for a season or for a playoffs. I think is he, he Tony Romo, maybe. Oh, that maybe. I mean, I, I don't. I don't. I. I don't think so. But I think but, but that's the, his ceiling. And and that's where, as a franchise, you're sort of trapped. Yeah, that's why I say, like, I think because Ezekiel if you Elliott. Don't, if, if you don't, what do you, what do you do? What's, right. pl- what's plan B? Ezekiel Elliott, maybe he's your next most valuable. Well, I'm talking player. quarterback. Though. Yeah. If you if you decide not to, you're not going to resign Dak to a mid-level contract it's going to be you know we see where these quarterback contracts are going mm-hmm. and that's what it's going to take and if you see but he's not top five he's not top 10 and you see we can't give him top 10 money then what are you doing what's your plan b i could see kind of a kirk cousins situation shaping out with dak where dallas doesn't want to give him that long-term deal they don't have a better option so they give him a couple franchise tags i think cousins was franchise tagged three times if i'm not mistaken so and, I mean, that's not terrible money. The biggest thing the running backs have a problem with the franchise tag is their lifespans in the NFL are so short that each year they're franchised, that's going to hurt their next contract going but they forward. Get, but they get paid pretty well. During that year, absolutely. Absolutely. But I know they want that guaranteed money and they want that long-term deal is what they're all holding out for. Um, I can't see Marlon Mack doing it, even if he has a great season season. That'll be what one full good season. That's not enough leverage, right? He's been had injury issues in the past. Even if he stays completely healthy all of this year, you can't look back and and try to hold out for for an Uber contract with the history that he has. Absolutely, maybe Ty, but he'll be what thirty one. Um, I would say Ryan Kelly's might have the best leverage if he stays healthy, but. Offensive linemen age pretty well in the NFL, so that's I don't. Why, think... That's why Costanzo still has super value. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't think Kelly would be worried about getting that next contract. You know, he's going to get it eventually. I wouldn't rule out them extending Kelly before we get to next year. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, you, you can make it a case that it, that it makes it, it makes sense budget wise and moving forward. But that's the the one good thing with the way that they've handled these contracts is they don't have the massive issues uh, where, boy, if we don't get this guy done, he's going to hold out or whatever. Uh, and again, talking to someone in the Colts the other day, I, I think they're still going to do a couple more extensions before camp's over. Mm-hmm. And if I looked on this list and a guy that I would, Costanzo, I, 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 I get ripped <laughs> in the media room because I'm Costanzo's agent and I do not get 3%. <laughs> but if you take him out of the mix... The guy that I would like to see them extend is Jabal Sherrod. I think he's one of the more underappreciated, valued players on that defense. He's just he just keeps his head down. He goes to work. He gets you X number of tackles, six or seven sacks. He's a great locker room guy. And I hope they find a way to bring him back. He was their Walter Payton nominee just a Correct. year or two he, ago, he, too. Just, yeah. 
and he's so understated in how he does things. But but if I look at the list of guys who are going to be who are in the contract years, Costanzo, Sherrod, Doyle, Ebron, Brissett, that's going to be dicey. Sherrod's the one that I would like to see him get done. Doyle and Ebron, we'll see because they they both have to. You know, Doyle has to prove he's he can he's back, and he's going to be thirty, mm-hmm. I think. Ebron, you know, you can't extend him now because you just can't. Based on where you you, you can't, shared I, I could see them doing shared. Yeah, shared will be thirty one by the twenty twenty season, which is totally against what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah, it it is, but there's always exceptions to your blueprint on how you do things, and I think he's one of those guys that, yeah, he's not the mid twenties and all this. He's the guy that I, I'm not gonna. I'll use the phrase and then I'll quit using it. Horseshoe guy. He's the kind of guy you want in your locker room, you want on defense. I'll bang the drum for Sherrod for a while. And I don't think he would cost a ton of money to bring back either. You know, five sacks each of the last three years. I don't think on the exterior there's going to be a lot of teams knocking on his door. So we might, you know, the Colts might be able to bring him back for cheap and maybe he turns into a rotational player of some of their cheaper. younger guys. Yes, cheaper. I cheaper. I wouldn't say cheaper. I wouldn't say yeah, cheap. Yeah. He's you, not getting Justin You, you can't money. disrespect him. Correct. So I and again I think that he sees value here, and you're right. He's one of those guys at this age of his career where he's much more valuable to the Colts than someone else. Let's go back with Eric Walden. Remember, he had ten sacks that one year, and he thought mm-hmm. he was going to hit it big. Didn't. didn't didn't he? May have signed in June or July with yeah. Titans. Yeah. So, so it's you. You've got to understand where you fit where you are in your career, and again, I just, the Colts, when, when Ballard talks about guys, there's a handful that he really, really genuinely is in favor of, you know, the, the Clayton Gathers and people like that. And I, I think Jabal Sherrod's one of those guys. Well, Colts training camp kicks off next Wednesday at Grand Park. Well, they report on Wednesday. The first day of camp practice is Thursday. So you can log on to Colts.com, find all the specific dates and all the the fun events that the Colts are going to have for training camp. Our next Colts Blue Zone podcast will come. We plan for it to come uh, next Wednesday after the Colts report. We'll hear from a couple of the players. We'll get their takes on what's going to we'll come. We'll see who Andrew Lux calf is. Yes, we will, I'm sure, take many pictures of Andrew Lux calf <laughs> and video and uh, send it out to you. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter for that fantastic video, at DaveG underscore sports. Mike Chappell is at mchapel 51 Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. And, of course, the Colts Blue Zone podcast here is at Colts Blue Zone. Remember to download and subscribe specifically so we can get this delivered to your inbox every week when we drop it. And boy, the season is here, so it's going to be fun for the next uh, weeks and months. Well, you hope through late January, through early, January early February. February. That's what you know. They're top. They're top five in most people's uh, most pe- in most power rankings. If, if if Cleveland is not the flavor of the off season, it's Indy. There we go. So that's the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Thanks for downloading and subscribing. We'll see you next time for training camp.